Tra- Train to Busan has one of my favorite uh, Asian movie tropes, uh, yeah. which is which is like big jacked Asian guy. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, all those baseball players. Yeah, the base <laughs> the baseball stuff is really good because uh, it's like in in an American movie, uh, it w- it would be like uh, like you know there would just be like some MMA dude on the yeah. on the train or something. But in, in Korea, they're like, no, it's like a teenage baseball team. Right. Uh, and, and like one big Jack dude with like a thin mustache. Yeah. Can you uh, imagine if they did like a, like some sort of train to Busan based in Seattle and then uh, maybe the, you know, the, the 1990s Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Were on like the tra- Ken Griffey Jr. Is on Ken the tra- Griffey Jr. And Edgar Martinez yeah. steps up with his like gut out and everything. Alex, but... Alex Rodriguez is tired of this because he's just waiting to get <laughs> traded to the Yankees. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fucking Jay Buhner is on there. Oh, the bone man. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And A-Rod just like, where, where, where are my, where are my uh, steroids, yeah. man? I need I need to get really huge and then date J Lo, uh, and I I wouldn't be surprised to see like an American remake of Train to Busan at some yeah. point. Well, the sequel coming. Um... The the, pro- the problem, of course, is that like it would be hard to make a Train of Busan uh, American movie because there's there's no high speed trains, no high speed in, trains in, in the United States or reliable public transportation. Yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be you know it's like I can't imagine Train to Busan on like one of those decrepit Amtrak trains. Just moving like fifty miles per hour. Yeah, uh, uh, guys, we have to stop for nine hours because yeah. there's a freight train in front of us. <laughs> we know your we know they your train the railroad. <laughs> we know your train is filled with zombies, but we got to stop for this freight train. So sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna stop every fifteen minutes between here and Vancouver, BC. <laughs> Uh, does anyone want to get off in uh, Tukwila? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you can't. Do you want to smoke a cigarette? No, you're not allowed. Yeah. To. Don't don't get out of the train for more than four minutes. Or we're leaving you here. Science fiction. This is the Columbia River Film School. Uh, is a podcast based here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Uh, we are. Uh, I'm Bill McDonald, and I have with me here with me. Uh, I am Pat McDonald. Uh, we're two brothers here. Uh, we grew up here in Vancouver, Washington. Went to Columbia River High School, uh, and this is our podcast about uh, unconventional double features. Uh, so every week we uh, take a couple of movies that uh, are, are, you know, they've got something in common with each other, um, but are otherwise completely unrelated, uh, and uh, we put them together in a little double feature. Uh, and so this week uh, our our theme was uh, poorly adapted uh, cartoons. Um <laughs> And uh, so we, we picked uh, two cartoons from the 90s um, that, uh, that were like heavily stylized, very, very stylish, successful cartoons from the 90s. Eon Flux, uh, very stylish cartoon from the 90s. Uh, it is American. It is American. Yeah. 
uh, and it ran on MTV from 1991 to 1995. Uh, and it's kind of like a like a futuristic, uh, you know, shorts short film. TV shorts thing. If you weren't if you weren't around in the '90s, like uh, MTV would put out cartoons. Yeah, um, some of them very good, right? Beavis and Butthead, Daria, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, Eon Flux or Eon Aeon Flux. Flux was was yeah. one of them. Um, uh, uh, and Liquid Television, uh, which is on. Uh, I just discovered this the other day when I was looking up Eon Flux, but uh, Liquid Television was an animated short show that MTV put together. And it's all available on the Internet Archive right now. Oh, cool. So you can go in there and just download a, a zip file of all these weird cartoons from the 90s. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we watched the 2005 adaptation of Eon Flux. We sure uh, did. With Charlize Theron, uh, which I had never seen before. I don't think you had ever seen no, it before. never seen it, no. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, and then... In the same vein, uh, we watched the 2017 adaptation of the 1995 or 1996 mm-hmm. uh, anime, um, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, so the uh, the Ghost in the Shell movie came out uh, in about 95 or 96 um, and was one of the like first big crossover hits um, yeah. for for the anime genre in the United States. Uh, so you know when I when I was a kid, the like you know Ghost in the Shell and Akira were like the uh, the big crossover anime movies that were like, oh no, like cartoons can be like good serious things for adults. Yeah. Um, and not like Speed Racer, which is or what everyone viewed anime as like in the 90s in the U.S. What was the uh, the, the company that did, uh, they did TV sales of anime VHS tapes? Manga Entertainment? Manga Entertainment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Manga Productions, manga something productions. like that. They did like Ninja Scroll and Vampire Scroll. Hunter D. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they did a lot of like adult-oriented uh, anime Um but yeah, back in the '90s, like you, you couldn't really, uh, you couldn't really get anime in the West. Um, you would watch it on like the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, uh, and late at before night. broadband was yeah. widely available, and so you were either on BBS boards ordering bootleg tapes or manga entertainment, who would do. Um, yeah, Western releases, Western of, releases uh, of, stuff, of anime yeah. movies. A um, postman would show up with your anime tapes yeah. and you would give him money. <laughs> or or uh, we, we had a very good independent uh, um, video store here in Vancouver, yeah, yeah, yeah. Video Connections. Um, and, and they had like a pretty strong, um, they had a pretty strong like anime VHS selection. Yeah. Um, uh, good, good Video Connections story was, uh, do you remember the live action Dragon Ball movie? Uh, yes. The, the Chinese, not, not Dragon, not the Dragon Ball one. Evolution right. from 2006, I think. But, yeah. uh, it, it, there was, there was a, like, really low budget Chinese, uh, a Dragon Ball, uh, live action adaptation. Yeah. Um, from the 80s, I think. Uh, and it was, it was like, in the early days of the internet, it was like one of these coveted, uh, like people would see screenshots of it. Uh-huh. And be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and I, I remember, uh, we got a copy from video connections mm-hmm. um and and you know dubbed it onto a blank vhs tape yeah uh and one of the like big dragon ball sites i used to go to back in the late 90s early 2000s uh their webmaster was like desperate for me to send him a copy of this because <laughs> uh, he just he couldn't get it anywhere right uh and it's this like weird thing that like for some reason our local independent video store had a copy of this hey where'd you dub that tape by the way yeah 
Um, and, uh, yeah, so, like, uh, you know, you could get, you could get, like, weird Japanese shit at, like, local video stores. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't widespread until the late 90s when Cartoon Network started running a ton of, uh, a ton of, like, imported anime. Yeah. Uh, and Ghost in the Shell kind of precedes that by a few years. Um, it was, it was successful enough in Japan that it got a, uh, it got an, it got a Western release. Uh, that was also very successful in like the VHS market here. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then that movie uh, got optioned uh, for live action um, sometime I think in like the early two thousands. Had to have been yeah. Uh, I and think then it was development hell for ages. Yeah. There there was there there was like a, a rush on anime properties in the early two thousands based in in large part I think on the success of anime on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also the success of anime-inspired stuff, like The Matrix. Right. Uh, and all these production companies were just like, we can buy these properties for nothing. Yeah. Because there's no interest in Japan in making live-action versions of these. And uh, and so, like, Ghost in the Shell got optioned and then sat in production hell for, like, over a decade. Yeah. Uh, and then it finally came out in 2017, uh, and it was just a steaming pile of trash. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's one of those things where it's like there was already a good movie of this. Oh boy! Like you didn't need to make this. No. But uh, yeah, so the two movies we watched this week, uh, both not very good, uh, but both kind of similar weird adaptations where like you know the 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 the, the original IP had kind of left public consciousness uh, long ago. Yeah, like Eon Flux, especially. I don't think anyone in fucking like two thousand four for sure. Yeah, was like, oh, Eon Flux. I remember that. Uh, Ghost in the Shell was obviously much more successful. There were, I mean, there were like, uh, you know, manga sequels, anime sequels. Uh, I think that franchise did carry on overseas, but oh yeah, but not over. Here. Yeah, there's there's like a there's a there's a Ghost in the Shell TV series that's yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, and a lot of a lot of the stuff in this movie is is kind of it's it's half the uh the original movie and yeah. then it cribs a lot of stuff from the other uh like ongoing anime stuff okay um that came out afterwards uh but yeah two two very like uh, successful interesting animated properties from the 90s uh that uh, that had just very unfortunate uh live action movies made out of them very much so yeah and like visually very similar uh in both animated form and i think they attempted to be very similar in live action form. Yeah, uh, one was much more successful yeah, than the but, other. Uh, but we'll 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 get to that. Uh, you wanna you wanna break us off some movie news? Some movie news. Uh, don't have a whole lot here. Um, I do have some movie slash comic book crossover news here that I'm gonna go into. <laughs> um, last week we talked about uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, the trailer coming out. Yep. Um, they just announced. Uh, today that there is a prequel comic book coming out. Oh, cool! Uh, called Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted are doomed. Um, it's written. It's co-written by Ed Solomon, the screenwriter, and uh, one of the co-creators of Bill and Ted. And then uh, Evan Dorkin, who is uh, has been doing Bill and Ted comic books for probably. I mean, around the same time as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out. Uh, but this is being marketed as a Bill and Ted uh, Face of Music prequel. The uh, the concept, quote, There's tension in the band and worry at home. 
Bill and Ted's obsession with writing the one song to bring peace to the world is affecting both their playing and their relationships with their families. The band is losing fans and the future isn't shaping up as they were led to believe it would. It, it, it They just released a cover uh, and some preview art, but it looks to star Death, Station, The Princesses, uh, The Good Robot Usses, and of course, Bill and Ted. So, uh, Uh, none none of which will make any sense to you unless you have seen Bill and Ted 2. And I doubt any of this will be covered in Bill and Ted Face the Music, but it's fun that they have Ed Solomon on there, uh, the, you know, the screenwriter uh, pitching in on a comic book. Other comic book movie news, uh, Stranger Things slash Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Is a four-issue prequel to Stranger Things Season 4 that's going to be coming out uh, from Dark Horse Comics and IDW. Is is Season 4 coming out this year? Uh, I believe it's going to be coming out in December. Because Season 3 came out, um, uh, and they're all, they're all like, roughly timed with the season that the, the yeah. like, se- that, the, that the, like, season of the calendar year that the season of the show yes. takes place in, so, like... Uh, the first two were like Halloween. Yep. Uh, and they came out in like October, I think. And mm-hmm. then the third season came out in July. Because uh, I remember I watched the whole thing on July 4th last oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it, it like took place around July 4th in, right. in the in the show. Yeah, the, the poster even had, you know, fireworks yeah. going off in the background. Yeah. Um, so maybe this is a Thanksgiving or a Christmas themed season. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, this prequel comic is coming out. Uh, in November, and I believe season four is coming out in December, but it is an officially licensed uh, with uh, is it Wizards of the Coast that run uh, D&D? Wizards does yeah they're yeah. they're a they're a Hasbro uh, subsidiary but yeah. yeah Wizards still does the D and D stuff but yeah so that's uh, that's written by uh, Jody Hauser art by Jim Zub Sub I'm not sure there's a cool promo art um cover uh that's in the style of the old D, like choose your own adventure books oh cool that has uh the the, the main cast on there in um wizard costumes yeah <laughs> uh, let me see here uh one more story no two more stories uh so weta is going to open up an animation studio for uh original properties oh cool uh, it's going to be run by Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh, and uh, they are said to have played a key role in the develop- development of Weta Animation. Uh, the two of them are going to write, produce, and direct several animation projects for the company. That's good. Um, PJ PJ needs to PJ needs to put a W up. Uh, you got to do something yeah. after after the Hobbit movies. Yeah, uh, which I'm not going to go into it, but uh, there's. <laughs> Uh, there, there's a, like, very long, I don't know if you're familiar with the YouTuber, uh, Lindsay Ellis. Uh, no. Uh, she does, like, media criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she did, like, a, you know, multi-hour series on, like, what the fuck happened with The Hobbit. Right. Uh, and it's a total disaster. Okay. Like, it's just shockingly bad, uh, like, how this production went down. Like, Peter Jackson didn't want to make them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Guillermo del Toro dropped out, right? Um, and so he's still credited on them, um, but he did not direct them. The Hobbit movies were were like a, a a case study in like bad studio meddling. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it was because the uh, this is something that only Tolkien uh, only Tolkien nerds will know. Um, the the all of the like Tolkien um, rights 
have been carved up by like dozens of different companies. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, um, being like a man in the 19, 1900s who uh, thought that he was living in like the early 18th century. Uh-huh. Uh, like very, you know, he, he was obsessed with like pre-industrial England. Yeah. Uh, never drove a car. Like, uh, you know, just lived out in the countryside and like taught like old English at Oxford. That sounds uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he, he very much in- imagined himself as like a hobbit. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and so when, you know, when The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings were successful in the in the 40s and 50s, um, he he was, you know, people came knocking at his door like, uh, like, hey, can we license your properties for stuff? And he was like, sure, who gives a fuck? Uh, and he's like, well, yeah, I don't know. You're going to give me money for what? Sure. Action yeah. figures? What are okay. you doing with this? Uh, so it's this weird thing where like, um, like the toy licenses, yeah, uh, were were given to like one company, but uh, in, in in the time period they were given out, uh, to- uh, video games didn't exist. Right. So then when like video games came out, uh, they the like the legal side of things was basically like, okay, well, video games count as toys. So like the company that owns the toy licenses, oh wow, owns the like video game license. Holy shit! And then there's like a different company that owns the radio licenses because there was like radio radio, radio dramas stuff, of, yeah. of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, and so there's a different company that owns those, uh, and then there was like a different company that got the movie rights. Uh-huh. So there was the old like uh, uh, Ralph Bashke, um, yeah. uh the animated one, animated cartoons of uh, of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, and I think Warner Brothers owns that. Uh, and so that's why, like, Warner Brothers owns the movie rights. And then, like, the movies were made by uh, New Line, I think. Yes. Um, and I think uh, and I think distributed by Miramax. Jesus. Har- Harvey makes it into all these fucking things <clears throat> somehow. Um, but, yeah, like, the rights for the Lord of the Rings stuff are just all over the place. Um, and so, like, The Hobbit was... Uh, because I think the rights for the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit were actually sold separately. Yeah. And so when they made the Hobbit, uh, it's like there was a big legal dispute over, you know, I don't think it ever went to court or anything like that. But like all these companies were basically arguing over who owned the rights to the the property. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. And this is probably not interesting. You can cut it. But um, there was like a there was a PC Hobbit game. Yeah. Do well, the, there was a Hobbit game on Super Nintendo. Right. I have it here somewhere. But do the same people who put that out own, like, the Lord of the Rings, like, action Xbox PS4 games? Yeah. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah. It's And it's, like, some obscure company in Berkeley, California. That's been around since fucking the mid-80s? Yeah, and it's, like, the only thing they do. Wow. They just they just own the toy rights to the Lord of the Rings, and so anytime someone wants so to So all make, the video games are con- considered to be toys? They license... Uh, they, like, they don't make them. Yeah. Right, but they're the license holder. Yeah. So they, like, license it out to whatever studio and just, like, collect a check. <laughs> That's insane. Right, so, like, when Shadow of... Uh, uh, Shadow, Mordor, Shadow of Mordor yeah. came out, like, they get a cut of that. Um, and it's just this, like, tiny company in Berkeley. Good for those dudes. Yeah. Um, who, at, you know, at some point in the 70s was like, I want to make Lord of the Rings toys. Yeah. Um, cause nerds like, you know, Led Zeppelin loves Lord of the Rings, uh, and Tolkien, uh, yeah. And like the Tolkien estate was, was managed by, cause Tolkien died in the seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was managed by his son, Chris Tolkien, um, who, uh, was, is like the, or was, he died last year, 
uh, was the like premier Tolkien scholar, mm-hmm. uh, and so he continued on a lot of the like unfinished work. Right. Uh, so that you know, Tolkien had an enormous amount of unfinished work um, that he had written at some point in his life, and Chris Tolkien basically like assembled all this shit. Uh, and put out various books. Yeah. Um, so, like, The Silmarillion was never finished by Tolkien uh, himself, uh, but uh, Chris Tolkien went and finished it and released it as a book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another, uh, I think it was uh, Baron and Luthien, came out maybe two years ago, which was another one of the unfinished stories. Um, and, but then Chris Tolkien died last year, mm. and so now it's just, like, a fucking free-for-all. Uh, because all of the, <laughs> all of the like Tolkien great grandchildren and yeah. uh, like you know cousins, it's it's like it's very much like at the end uh, or uh, at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings when uh, when everyone's waiting for Bilbo to die. Yeah. Uh, and like the you know his like distant relatives are showing up trying to get like his spoons and shit, and people are like, <laughs> people are like, uh, who's getting bag end? Yeah. Like, and he just like leaves it all to his his nephew. Uh, and then disappears, like fucks off to Rivendell. Um, it's very much like that. But now, now the the Frodo in this case, uh, Chris Tolkien, is also dead. Uh, so there's there's like just all these fucking people out who are like, how am I going to get my Lord of the Rings check? Jesus. Uh, which is why like Amazon is making a, uh, a Lord of the Rings Lord TV of the Rings show. show. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know because they're like they're like how do we get some of that Game of Thrones money? Right. Um, and so they're making like an original uh, Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, uh, that's not really based on anything. No, just set in the uh, just set in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it'll presumably crib stuff from like the appendices and maybe the Silmarillion and some of the like unfinished tales and stuff like that. But uh-huh. like, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, long way to say like the Lord of the Rings licensing is totally fucked up. Uh, Peter Jackson did not want to make those Hobbit movies. Yeah, uh, and it was basically just like a nightmare the entire time. Uh, and you can tell if you watch them that he's just, he's his heart's just not in it. Yeah, I did uh, not watch those movies. Yeah, as compared to the Lord of the Rings, which are very good movies, mm-hmm. uh, he is he's just not fucking in it. Yeah, uh, and you know, so good to see he's like going back to some of his roots uh, of like you know, going back to the well. Yeah, some lower budget, uh, some lower budget like you know, uh, cult or short stuff like he used to do. Yeah, shorts, animated stuff like. That would be cool to see from him. And I know, um, I, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but you just reminded me um, that he is going back and doing... Meet the Feebles too. Uh, no. <laughs> but close. He is doing 4K releases of uh, Meet the Feebles. Jesus, what's that going to look uh, like? Bad Taste, Bad Taste 2. Brain Dead was the foreign title. Dead Alive. Dead Alive, yeah. yeah. So he's he, he is... Personally involved, I kick ass for the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> he's personally involved in upscaling all those movies to Blu-ray yeah. and uh, putting together like Blu-ray packages for all of his yeah. original films. And I, I, I cannot wait to yeah. have those. And I'm sure they'll be great. Uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a big like movie dork. Yeah, he he's is. like he's like Kiwi Quentin Tarantino. Yep. Um, and, but yeah, so it's nice to, nice to hear he's, he's doing something with Weta and, and they've done uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the best visual effects stuff that's been done in the last 20 years has had some involvement from Weta. For sure. Um, so that's, that's good to see. Yeah. I think, I think they did like Battle Angel. Yes, they did. Um, which 
you know, is only okay, but... Uh, yeah, but, uh, I looks, mean, we, we could have talked about yeah. that this week, too. Same, yeah, same I thing, mean, right? Same, like, same sort of ba- thing. Battle Angel, again, a manga entertainment release yeah. um, in the 90s. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, speaking of The Lord of the Rings, uh, one other one other piece of news. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, you know, beloved, uh, beloved actor, uh, beloved British actor Ian Holm has died uh, at the age of 88. Uh, so he, he finally croaked it. Um... And, uh, yeah, so, you know, Ian Holm has been, like, a great character actor for many years. Yeah. Even if you don't kind of immediately recognize his name, you've definitely seen him in stuff, mm-hmm. right? So he was an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in, obviously, The Lord of the Rings as Bilbo Baggins. Uh, but, uh, you know, long, long, very successful career. Uh, five wives. Um... <laughs> Just collecting them. Yeah, and I looked into this because I was wondering if it was one of these things where, like, uh... Where he, he got married and, like, had, like, some wives who died or something. But, no, like, he just get, got remarried, like, every 20 years uh, <laughs> since he was, like, 20 years old. There <laughs> go, Ian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really killing it out there for uh, for, for a five-foot-five dude. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he passed away there last week. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's, he's gone now, uh, which is unfortunate. He's a very, very good character actor who's been around for, for many years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rip in peace. Um, any other movie news? Uh, that, I believe, is everything we have. Yeah, there were some cancellations this week, but uh, I haven't researched them well enough to know why Ansel Elgort was trending on Twitter. I'm, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you either. Yeah, I was just like, oh, Ansel Elgort is trending. That's not good. Um, and yeah. One of these days, Pete Davidson will be trending for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I, it's, I, he's got a movie coming out. It's out. Oh, yeah. I haven't uh, watched King it. of Staten Island. King of Staten Island, yeah. yeah. Him and Bill Burr. One of them is getting canceled fucking soon. I feel like Pete maybe made that movie to make himself at least temporarily uncancelable. Cancelable. Yeah. Because his dad was a 9-11 responder. Yeah. yeah so Pete, now he's like... Pete's got, a, Pete's got a really great, like, out. He sure does. He's like, oh, my dad was a firefighter who died in fucking at night yeah. like, in one of the towers. <laughs> What's up? Look at my obnoxious tattoos. Yeah. And my stupid face. I'm a hype beast. God, I hate fucking Pete Davidson. Our sister so loves him. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, noted scumbag Pete Davidson. Um, but, yeah, he, he's always one of those guys who's, like, just on the verge of, like, you know, having some DMs leaked. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's potentially canceled, like, every, 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 like, five, six hours. It's like, Pete Davidson canceled yet? Yeah, just checking in. I just got to set a Google alert. Just, just, just checking Twitter. Where's, where's, where's Pete Davidson? Yeah, Pete Davidson canceled today. No, <laughs> no. All right, we'll check right. again in a few days. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but anyway, uh, won't go into the cancellations. Uh, nah. Don't, don't care all that much. Um, I'm sure Ansel did something gross, and uh, you know he, he had it coming. With a name like Ansel. Yeah. Teenage girls love John Green books. I know. Um, and I think Ansel Elgort loves teenage girls. All right, well, uh, yeah, so that's movie news for the week. Yeah. Kind of a light week. Um, but uh, you want to talk about, uh, you want to do these in, in uh, release order and start with... Uh, uh, let's, yeah, because, like, I have, I don't have a whole lot of notes on either of these movies, but... There's not a whole lot to say. There's not. Uh, but, yeah, so the first movie I guess we'll talk about is uh, is 2005's Eon, Aeon, Eon, I don't know, they call her Eon they in the movie. They call her Eon in the movie. Yeah. I always thought it was Aeon, Me but too. maybe I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, Eon Flux, which, as we said, was adapted from the MTV short, um, MTV short animation series, uh, that was out in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's bad, folks. It's real bad. Yeah. 
It's uh, it's it's ninety two minutes long, which I was pleasantly surprised by when I when I when I turned it on. It did not feel like ninety two. It felt like a hundred and thirty two minutes. Yeah, it's just uh, I I texted you. I had had the movie on for about five minutes when I texted you and just said this sucks. Yeah. Uh, because it was just like the first time anyone spoke, I was like, oh, this is bad. Yep. Um, and Charlize Theron, not a bad actress. No, she's a great actress. Uh, but like, you know, she's not putting in any work on this. She's not. And she's hidden behind like hair blinds for most of the movie. Yeah, the the sense... they really commit to that haircut. Yeah, what what's the what's the story in uh, as as much as there is one in Eon Flux? I can attempt to explain it to you. Go for it. Spoilers for Eon Flux. Yeah, spoilers for 2005 science fiction film Eon Flux. Um, humanity is doomed. The planet is like mostly fucked up. There's a virus. There is a virus, uh, but there's like a haven city. That's it's not in a bubble or anything, but the like there's just like a big green city in in the middle of all this fucked up virus wall. shit. It has it has like a big wall. Trump around finally it. got his wall. Trump got his wall in, and I think this takes place in like twenty seven something. Uh, twenty four hundred. Yeah. Yeah. It's the twenty fifth century. Um, and Charlie's Thrones husband has been cloning people with his brother sick boy from train spotting it is sick boy yeah <laughs> i was like johnny the fuck have i seen this guy before? johnny lee miller yeah uh and i guess humanity is dying so they've just been cloning people over and over and over again yeah that's that's the like that's the like mid-movie reveal yeah it's like oh we're all clones yeah uh, it's it's like there's there's a virus that uh, like kills all of humankind or something yeah. and uh and this this guy dr goodchild uh that's like his fucking name his, yeah. stupid, his stupid science fiction name <laughs> uh doc, dr goodchild like finds a vaccine for this virus which and i realized maybe 10 minutes from the end of the movie that his name is Dr. Goodchild because he's revealed to be the good... The good child. Yeah. Child of the two brothers. Yeah. It's very on the nose. Uh, and and they never refer to his brother as Goodchild. No. He always goes by his first name. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Dr. Goodchild has, like, created a vaccine... Uh, and that kind of saves humanity from being totally annihilated. Uh-huh. There's like, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people left or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, what we find out halfway through the movie is that uh, the vaccine, or maybe the virus, I can't remember, has rendered people infertile. Yep. Uh, which... It's the vaccine, yeah. Yeah, is, you know, another good dystopian science fiction movie came out around the same time, which is Children of Men, uh-huh. which also has a, like, sterility <laughs> a sterility theme, right? Yeah. Uh, but, like, Children of Men, good movie. Great movie. Uh, this movie, just fucking absolute trash. Trash. Uh, but, yeah, so the vaccine has made everyone infertile, uh, and so uh, Dr. Goodchild has kind of secretly uh, perfected human cloning. Um, and what they've been doing is, uh, you know, um, convincing people that they're having natural births by having everyone go to like a fertility clinic. Uh, yeah. Um, and then like, you know, when they're doing this fertility clinic, they like implant a, cu- a cloned human embryo into uh-huh. them. Um, so that they deliver a child naturally and no one is any the wiser. Um, and the thing that I don't understand about that is that like, did anybody not, did anybody notice that like any of these children just fucking came out not looking anything like their parents? Right. Um, boy, everyone looks the same. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure they, I'm sure they, they tried, but like, there's gotta be a fuck up every once in a while where like two white parents have like an Asian child. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's weird. 
Um, How'd that happen? Yeah, there's probably a lot of divorces in this uh, in this society over infidelity. <laughs> uh, it's like, whose kid is this? Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they're like secretly implanting clones, but then we also find out that the clones like. Uh, they retain memories, memories of their, their past of lives. their past lives. Uh, so we, we find that out. We find out that uh, Doctor Goodchild has been cloning himself yep. for four hundred years, um, and is uh, like he'll clone himself, and then he'll like teach his son. He'll like raise his son, uh, and, and like teach him everything. <laughs> Uh, and then his son will take over. And, and it's like, did nobody notice that Doctor Goodchild never dies? No. Uh, he's just been alive for 400 years. For 400 years, years for God's sake. Um, is, if, is he not given any of his immortality serum to anybody? Uh, but he's like, so he's also, you know, king of this fucking kingdom or something. Yeah, and he's initially played as the bad guy. Yeah, so he's the bad guy. And uh, Eon, uh, played by Charlize Theron, is is uh, an assassin um, in, in some sort of like, uh, like revolutionary outfit called the Mendicants. Uh, yeah. Um, which I never looked up to see if there, that means anything. Um, yeah, I, I, I initially thought they were calling them Mohicans. Yeah, I kept thinking that as well. Yeah. I was like, when's, when's Daniel Day-Lewis gonna show up? Like, there are no Native American actors in this movie. Yeah. What are you guys doing? And then, um, yeah, then I actually listened to the movie. <laughs> but yeah, like, Eon is, is, is one of these mendicants. She's like their top assassin, and their goal is to kill dr goodchild and overthrow his regime because you know people there's like you know people get disappeared yeah um and uh it's it's like an oppressive surveillance state uh and all that kind of thing and so they're trying to overthrow dr goodchild uh and so he's the villain um for the first 45 minutes of this movie maybe he's the villain until he's not yeah and then all of a sudden he you know uh, eon gets her chance to kill him uh and then she has like a flashback yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they find out that they, like, knew each other in their past lives. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's eventually revealed that, like, Eon has been cloned from his, you know, dead wife. Right. Uh, when he was, when he, you know, in the 21st century when this all started. Yeah, and she was banging and had long hair. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and so then they, you know, go on a, a caper to avoid, uh, avoid capture from both sides. Uh, the mendicants believe that, uh, Eon has, like, you know, betrayed them. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh... And then Sick Boy from Trainspotting sick, yeah, is sick, just... Sick, sick Boy is trying to do a coup. He's the bad guy now. Yeah. Sick Boy is trying to do a coup, uh, and, and so he's trying to kill both of them. Uh, it's revealed that Sick Boy, like, is the one who called the hit on yeah. his brother. Yeah. Uh... I guess. Yeah, it's just... This movie makes no sense. Yeah, it's just like, there. there's a reveal, like, every five minutes. Yeah. Um, which is a lot for a movie that's only 92 minutes long. I, yeah. And the exposition dump is in the middle of the movie. Right. So, like, you don't know any of this shit until, like, 45 minutes into the movie when you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, well, it's just set piece after set piece after set piece, but they're not particularly interesting set pieces. Yeah. Like, none of the action is interesting enough yeah, to so as, like, evoke as, anything. For, for a movie that is nominally, like, a like a wire-foo, like, uh, like, action kung fu movie kind of thing. Yeah, this came out, like, a couple of years after, like... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, so Crouching Tiger was 2000, I think. Yeah. Um, then you had The Matrix in 1999, yeah. 2002, and 2003. So this... Um, and you Equilibrium was Equilibrium. in 2000, yeah. which I think is very similar to this movie, mm -hmm. uh, but is actually good. 
Uh, and yeah, it, it, there was a whole, like before there were dystopian teen novels, yeah. um, right. before, you know, the hunger <laughs> games and like maze runner and all uh-huh. that kind of thing. There uh-huh. were, there were dystopian movies at the end of the nineties and the early two thousands that were very like 1984 ish. Yeah. They were all about like surveillance states and like, you know, supposedly perfect societies. Right. Um, and all that kind of thing. And then like, you know, people overthrew those societies through Kung Fu. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much what I think they were going for here is like, oh, we'll make like one of these futuristic dystopian movies, try and cash in now that the matrix is over. Yeah. Uh, and they just fell on their faces because even the action scenes are boring as shit. They really are. Um, this movie felt very much to me like, uh, like there had been a coup, uh, on, on the production itself done by like the costume and, uh, like set designers. Well, I was wondering, did this come out during the writer's strike? No, it's before that. It was before the writer's strike. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Writer's strike was like 07, 08 or something like that. Okay, yeah. That was one of my theories as to why this was so shit. Um, I'm ready later than that, honestly. Because I remember uh, the second Daniel Craig uh, Bond movie, Quantum of Solace, yeah. is a writer's strike movie. And like the director and Daniel Craig wrote most of that movie. Right. Because like, production had to go on, but they had no script. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, so th- this, it, it's just not written well. It feels like, you know, there's a lot of the sets, the sets look cool, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. Right. But they're still, I mean, I wouldn't say they're very like high fidelity. No, they don't look good. They don't. No. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like, it's concept like art. mid 2000s video game or, or concept art. Yeah. 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 Uh, and like the costumes are all weird and shit like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, and Eon gets her missions from, uh, you know, some, some like God figure in like a fucking Hunger Games costume. Oh, I thought that was Tony Collette, but it's actually, what's her face? From Fargo? Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Um, yeah, she's in it as like, you know, the person who gives Eon her missions. There's like um, no explanation for why she's oh, there. Yeah. Or these like weird, it's not a dream sequence, but like where they go in their, I don't know, the computer. Yeah, they've got some sort of like telepathic uh, yeah. like thing and they, they go to like a, you know, weird dream sequence type location. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's like, you know, interesting costumes and, and props. Oh, um, there's that lady that has hands for feet. Yeah. That which, just fucking sicked me out. Yeah, it's And gross. I had to look away every time her Because you hate feet. feet. I hate feet. Yeah. And I've never seen hands as feet, and I just had to turn away. Um, but yeah, like, there, there's a lot of weird, like, visual effect type stuff that doesn't work all that well. No. Um, there's, like, interesting props and makeup and costumes, but, like, that's it. Yeah. Um, and it, it really seems like, you know, some of these departments were putting in work... Mm-hmm. But nobody else was. Yeah. Um, you know, someone was like, look how cool Charlize Theron's hair is. And, right. then, and then they were like, oh, that's great. Now we don't have to write a script. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did. The, I mean, there were two things that I remember from the trailer back in the early 2000s when this came out. Uh, and the first one was when uh, the fly lands on Charlize Theron's eyeball. Yeah, which is a thing that's from the TV show. Yeah, like yeah. lifted directly from The logo from that. for the TV show is like a fly in her eyelashes. Yeah, and like her eyelashes close and like trap the, uh, the fly in it. Uh, it was cool that they uh, inserted that, but, you know, it also seems just kind of like... Because it was in the first, I think, four minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, uh, hey guys, we're going to throw you a bone here. Uh, not that I'm a big fan of yeah, A.N. Flux. Flux yeah. uh, 
Uh, and the other thing was... Uh, it's something for, like, Wizard Magazine readers. Yeah. Which, rest in peace, Wizard Magazine. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can see this, like, in 2005 being, like, a, you know, a 15-page a uh, story right. in, in Wizard Magazine <laughs> where they're just like, this is going to be fucking great. It's going to be amazing. Look what they did. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing was, um, which I thought at the time was very cool looking, uh, they kind of cut down into the individual blades of grass during an action scene. Yeah. And that was one of the big trailer moments. Uh, and then I actually saw it in the movie, and I was just like, oh, well, that was, like, real underwhelming. Yeah, it, it goes looks like, like shit. It's like a 20-second scene. Yeah. And then they move on. Yep. Never happens again. Nope. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, it's just, there's not a ton to say about this movie. It's just, it's just not very good. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, like it will never, I don't think that the, there'll ever be any more Eon Flux content. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely not. Cause this is, this is, it looks like a video game from that time yeah. period. And especially cause I mean, it was like an American animated feature to begin with. Yeah. So there's, there's there's no like legacy behind it or whatever, and I don't think Liquid Television or MTV no. cartoons are coming back. So reportedly, this was just a huge flop. So oh, I, I, this must have lost a ton of money. Also, it came out 15 fucking years ago. So yeah, yeah I don't think we're seeing this anytime soon. Can, can I can I read you my notes that yeah, I took yeah. what, during what, this? What, movie? Uh, what'd you say? <laughs> All right, so here are my notes from start to finish. What the fuck? This came out in 2005. What the fuck? <laughs> These action scenes are so boring. Oh, they did the fly on her eyeball thing. Cool. I have no idea what the hell is going on. Johnny Lee Miller! <laughs> Sick voice here. How was this released? I counted at least 24 shots that very obviously feature stunt doubles. I don't oh, have... yeah. <laughs> the stunts in this movie aren't any good either. No. Uh, my final note was, oh, they're all clones or whatever. And then I just gave up taking notes on this fucking I, I will say, so at the very end of this movie, uh, Charlie's Theron, like, crashes their surveillance blimp or something uh -huh. in, into the wall, and, like, the wall blows up. Oh, the huge manatee. The, the CGI of the wall breaking yeah. is fucking terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> it, it, looks, it looks like it's from a PlayStation 2 game. It does. And I, as soon as she got on there, and they kind of pulled out, I was like, oh, she's going to crash into the wall. Like, it's... It, there are so many plot points in this movie that are, you can see coming from miles away. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bad script. It looks like shit most of the time. No one is putting any effort in uh, as, as far as acting goes. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know who this, this poor woman is, but uh, the, at the very beginning, we meet Eon's sister. Yeah. She's like a younger sister or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And her sister's like, stop doing crimes. Right. Um, and, uh, but like the woman who is playing her is, is just, it's an absolutely abysmal performance. Yep. Uh, like she is, she looks like she's reading off cue cards. Yeah. Uh, it's very bad. You can see her eyes moving. And like, it's, it's yeah. fucking crazy because Charlize Theron got an acting Oscar. Yes. Like two years before this movie came yeah, out. Yeah. Like two for, for Monster. For Monster. Yeah. Um, and, and she's been in lots and that wasn't a fluke. She's been great in other movies since then. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and she can do action movies, right? Like, I don't know if you saw Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Oh, I love Atomic um, Blonde. Yeah. Where she, she's great in that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not a fucking great movie or anything like that. But no, she, it's not like a heady concept or anything, but yeah. it's a great action movie. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's what, that's what could have been done with this movie. Yeah. Uh, like a stylized action movie with a female lead. Yeah. Uh, someone who can actually act. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they just like, no one's fucking, everyone's phoning it in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
It, this movie would have been better if Johnny Lee Miller sang uh, No More Catholics. Sure would. Uh. The battle now victorious. We foiled his papist theft. When the time was over, there were no more Catholics left. Hey! No more Catholics. <laughs> I hope my neighbors heard that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a just a piece of trash. Yeah, uh, real bad. Um, I I gave it one star on my letterboxed. Uh, just fucking w- would never watch this movie again. Yeah, I give it about the same. It's uh, God, just yeah, yeah, not worth watching. Yeah, this movie on my letterbox has a lower rating than the last broadcast. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I'd watch the last broadcast again. Sure. Uh, I would never watch this again. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, Eon Flux, real fucking stinker. Uh, bad adaptation of of like a interesting. Um, I I I think like if they were gonna make a live action Eon Flux today, it would be like a Netflix series or something. Yeah, like of shorts, right? Sure. Like I mean, maybe not even shorts. Maybe like in like a, a six to eight episode live action thing. I could see that. Uh, but like not they don't have to build a big plot around it no just do like stylistic action scenes and 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 you know cool sci-fi props and shit like that and in this they're like trying to stitch together a plot yeah um uh, out of out of like the elements they took from this cartoon and it just doesn't work yeah and the cartoon is is, i mean pretty short on like plot yeah or or background it's i mean mean, the, the cartoon was just a cool american version of anime i want yeah. to say you know like it, it, it was it was something that came out in the early 90s when anime was kind of popping up over here yeah and nothing else looked like it nothing else looked like it and yeah it's just like a hyper frenetic animated style uh there didn't need to be a whole lot of story there and yeah i think they were like 10 to 15 minute episodes yeah, it was tops. like something you would watch on fucking mtv between like pearl jam videos yeah um, or, or that crash test dummies video, right? Where that guy goes, mm-hmm. you yeah. know that one, yeah, yeah, good, good one. movie. Or that Marcy yeah. Playground video, <laughs> Sex and Candy, yeah, yeah. Listening to them the other day. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, so Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, let's let's talk about this other fucking raft of trash. Uh, so I that I, wasn't Kiefer Sutherland. No, you're talking about uh, what's his name? Oto? No, that's from the other movie Bato? I watched. Bato, yeah. Bato, yeah, yeah. I think it was the blonde hair. And I was like, Kiefer said, no. No. Uh, I will say, I think that guy puts in, like, maybe the only good performance in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he, he does a good job. And, like, every time he was back on screen, I was like, oh, great. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> cool. Someone who's actually trying. Yeah. When he gets his, like, eye implants, I was yeah. like, cool. Yeah, I'm interested in this guy and, like, yeah. his, his, his plight. Yeah. He's, 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 yeah, and he has like a he has like a like a you know subplot where he's like takes care of these stray dogs. Uh huh. Um, and but and then like everybody else, like nothing happens with them. No. Um. Uh. But yeah, uh, I I would say just right off the bat, this is better than Eon Flux. Yes. Uh, it's not hard to do. No, it's a low bar. But uh, but it is better than Eon Flux. Um. Hundred percent. Uh, so this was made in 2017. Yeah. Um, as we said, after after a long, long production hell. Yeah. Uh, this movie and Akira got got optioned at like roughly the same time. I think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Akira live action still not out. No. Uh, but Taika Waititi is doing it now, I guess. And so I, I have I have some confidence that it will get made. Yeah. Uh, and that it will get made well. Yep. 
Uh, and I think Taika said uh, that he he was going to cast Asian people in it. Yeah, he wants Asian teens in that yeah. movie and not... Because I, I... And Taika's got clout now, so I think he can get it done. For sure, yeah, yeah. And, and I, 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 it was only like, I mean, probably three years ago, when they were saying uh, it was going to take place in uh, Neo-New York instead of Neo-Tokyo. Yeah. And it was going to be American teens. Yeah, and I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Akira fan. I, like they're behind you, right? Yeah, like on the yeah. fucking bookshelf yep. here. Uh, but um, you should read those if you haven't. Oh, I have, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm a huge Akira fan, and I remember reading again in Wizard magazine in like 2002 because mm-hmm. uh, we just had a big stack of Wizard magazines on the back of our toilet yep. uh, when we were teenagers. Um, and uh, I remember reading like, yeah, oh, the Akira live action is happening, um, and it was right after uh, that movie got a redub, remaster, re-release um, in the U.S. Oh, that's right. Like we, yeah. we went to see we it went at to see some it in theater theaters. in Portland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not at Kiggins, I don't think. No, it was in Portland. Yeah, yeah, at some small theater there. So we, we got to see that, um, and and they did a really good job re, re, re uh, remastering it. Yeah. Um, uh, but we because we'd been watching it on like VHS right. uh, for years. Uh, but yeah, so like that got optioned, and everyone was like, "It's definitely happening." And it's been almost twenty years. Um, sure, yeah. and it hasn't happened <laughs> 18 uh, years later here we and are then, you know chronicle came out in 2012 yeah and it's like oh someone already did it you got scooped uh-huh someone made the akira live action uh max landis and unfortunately it was max landis <laughs> yeah big 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 <laughs> time rank big play big time plagiarist oh christ uh, yeah but uh but yeah so like this was in the same vein where it got optioned around the same time when like anime was really taking off in the west mm-hmm uh, and then just like sat in production hell for for like almost twenty years. Yeah, but I, d- I don't think Ghost in the Shell has the same you know like clout as Akira does, uh, and so maybe they had an easier time. I mean, even though it took you know almost a decade, they had an easier time getting this put out. Um, you know the uh, the and they got a big star attached to it, which I think is why it actually happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. They got ScarJo attached to it. There was a big whitewashing controversy surrounding it. And she famously kind of poo-pooed that. And, and, and yeah. And so this is, this is like an anime thing, um, that I, that I think about a lot. Uh, and I think about it a lot now, uh, for, for my other podcast, don't tread on weebs, which is about, uh, anime and politics. It was very normal. It's yeah, a very, it's a yeah, very, very normal, normal podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's peak brain poisoning. <laughs> Um, it's just me and Chris yelling at each other about like the, the Supreme court and fucking fully coolie. Uh, but, um, uh, one of the, th- there's, uh, Akira is one of the ones that, that really, uh, did this well in the late eighties. Uh, there's, there's basically like two styles of, I guess there's probably three styles really, but there's two main styles of animating, uh, in Japan. Uh, there's the like traditional anime style. Uh, that everyone is familiar with, mm-hmm. um, that uh, I like to call Big Eyes Small Mouth, mm-hmm. uh, which is the name of like a tabletop game uh, where it's like D&D but anime. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's that style where it's just like all the characters have huge eyes and they have like these small flappy mouths. Right. Um, and they only, they uh, that kind of anime is usually animated on uh, on the twos. Uh, so they, they do only 12 frames of animation, mm-hmm. uh, for every second, right? Whereas movies are shot in 24 frames per second. Right. So it's animated on every other, uh, frame as opposed to the way that movies are traditionally animated. Uh, Akira was notably one of the first animated films, 
uh, to animate on the ones, mm-hmm. uh, and to like most scenes in Akira are animated. Every frame is animated, right? Uh, which is why it looks so much more fluid yeah. than a lot of traditional anime. But like in the in the art style of Akira, the characters are actually drawn like Asian people. Yeah, um, and they have they have di- you know diverse facial styles, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not all like just these like Sailor Moon characters, basically. Right. Uh, and Ghost in the Shell is also animated that way. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I don't know how like what the frame rate is in in the Ghost in the Shell movie, but the characters look Asian. Yes. Um, even though the movie nominally takes place in like a like you know future metropolitan area where you know there's lots of uh, different like races and and what have you kind yeah. of intermixing with each other. Uh, but like the characters look Asian. Yeah. And so when the when the movie came out and they cast. Um, they cast uh, Scarlett Johansson uh, as uh, Major, uh, who, whose real name is Matoko, uh, which is like a big, you know, element in this movie. Right. She finds out her real name. But like, it, it's especially egregious in this kind of anime adaptation because the original movie was not stylized in the like, you know, big eyes style. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the movie is not animated in that way. The characters look Asian. They have Asian names. Uh-huh. The movie very clearly takes place in Japan. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, like, particularly egregious because it's like, oh, no, no, yeah, she's just white. Yeah. Uh, and and then Scarlet was like, oh, but it's an adaptation. And, you know, like, yeah. you know, don't worry. But it's it's cartoon. Like, all this kind of thing. You know, it's less egregious than, like, uh, Emma Stone in that movie I didn't see where she's, like, playing a Japanese Hawaiian. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's less egregious than that. Uh, which is good yeah but but it is still like this is very clearly a japanese character yeah uh and you've just like picked a like big name white actress to uh, to play her uh and And to sell it yeah Yeah. it's for sure whitewashing yeah uh and so you know the movie got in a little bit of uh like hot water for that um the thing that i always remember about this movie because i didn't see it when it came out because i was like they already made a good ghost in the shell movie it was the first one. Right. We don't need to make this movie again. Yeah. We are, you got it right the first time. Yeah, no, I skipped this too. Um, uh, but the thing I'll always remember is that Scarlett Johansson was on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. uh, right before this movie released. I think it was a spring release. So uh-huh. I think it was like March or April uh, 2017. And she was on Saturday Night Live, you know, presumably to do... To promote it. Yeah, promotion on this movie. And she didn't say fucking shit about it in her monologue. Right. I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. She promoted a trailer that was coming out for a movie she was in with like um, a bunch of, you know, comedy actresses. Yeah. Uh, And I was like, that can't be good. No. Um, If Scarlett Johansson is going on Saturday Night Live and not fucking saying anything about the movie that is coming out in like two weeks time. Yeah. That's not a good sign. No. Um, And it wasn't. Uh, cause this movie's not very good. <laughs> it's not. And I, 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 I think it didn't tank as hard as Eon Flux tanked. But no, I, still... I think it had, I think it had good marketing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it had the, it had the Ghost in the Shell, uh, IP the behind, name behind it. it. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it was hurt by that, you know, controversy. And I think when she was doing the rounds to promote it, you know, just weeks before it was coming out, I think that was the height of like the whitewashing there was a lot there was a lot of that going around at yeah. the time yeah um and i think a lot of uh, a lot of movie studios and directors have kind of got their shit together since then yeah 
uh, and have been like, oh, maybe let's cast non-white people. Right. Um, and there's there's characters in this movie where like it wouldn't fucking matter. No. Uh, like where where they were from or no. who they were. Uh, but like the main character of the movie is definitely supposed to be a Japanese woman. Yeah. And I oh man. And they I didn't even s- try. They didn't even they no. didn't even do what a lot of other movies do, where they'll cast like another Asian person in a Japanese or Chinese role. Right. Uh, they just like didn't even fucking try. No. They were just like, oh yeah, let's just get ScarJo. She's been making those Avengers movies. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It'll be great. She's so hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I want to say they they you know they didn't even try. Uh, it it, it would have been nice to have some some person of color in that role. But no, they just, they, they went straight to, uh, uh, you know, white hot, white superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking behind you, I have my, my copy of Final Fantasy VIII. Right. Right. And uh, so, like, looking at the, the, the art style of that. Yeah. That's Japanese game. Yeah. Those guys could be white guys. Absolutely. Right? And it would be fine. Yeah. But, like, the character, it, like, Ghost in the Shell is a fucking distinctly Japanese thing. Yeah. Right? Like, it's heavily rooted in Japanese culture. It's heavily rooted in Japanese settings. Uh, it's, it's the movie, the live action movie is still set in Japan. Yep. Um, and there are other Japanese characters in it. Uh, and like, you know, there's lots, there's like the whole geisha robots. Like yeah. there's lots of Japanese culture in it. And they were just like, nah, fuck it. Like, well, the thing is, they don't shy away from the Japanese like setting or influence or any of that. Yeah. And so if, if, if they had made this a fully like... If they just know, set American, it in New York. Yeah, set it in New York. Or set Chicago it in LA or, something, or Chicago, yeah. yeah. Yeah, set it in LA like Blade Runner, right? Like right. Blade Runner has tons of Japanese influence in it. Yeah. Uh, but it's set in LA. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, there's like, you know, lots of Asian people in that movie. Uh, and they treat it as like, oh, well, it's a, it's a you know, uh, neo-future metropolis. Right. Uh, it would have lots of like intermingling cultures and things like yeah. that. And you get away with it. Yeah. Uh, but you can't take all of the Japanese stuff continue to do that yeah. and then be like no major is white uh-huh uh major's a ma- major is a, a a white lady of jewish descent uh oh, like, god um yeah it's it's you know uh it's not good and i mean you know uh scarlett johansson was also in like lost in translation mm-hmm. which is not whitewashed no right but... but like is another movie that just takes place in japan and like they have a go at japanese culture yeah uh basically um but yeah so it was kind of mired in that controversy uh it still did okay regardless yeah um and uh but it's it's fucking pretty bad it is yeah i mean and and like watching it because like you i watched eon flux first and then goes in the shell the next day and so the bar was set low i i was constantly comparing it to eon flux um yeah and they're they are very similar they're very similar yeah it, not just because of the the kind of context that they were cribbed from uh, right. being adaptations of like heavily stylized 90s cartoons yeah uh but like they both have a mid-movie reveal mm-hmm. uh of like oh the bad guy's not the bad guy yeah uh they both have a like um like you know dormant memory thing right right where uh where eon in the movie has her like memories from when she's not a clone uh-huh. or when she was you know her original body or whatever yeah uh, and then this movie has um, uh, Major uh, still retains like some of her memories from before her brain yeah. was implanted in a robot. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, explain the plot of Ghost in the Shell real quick. Right. Um, 
Ghost of the Shell is about, uh, it's, it's set in Japan in, you know, some neo future. Uh, it, it does a thing that a lot of, a lot of anime from that period do, uh, similar to Blade Runner where there's like, you know, a big mixture of the old and the new, mm-hmm. right? There's still like, uh, there's like old style slums, um, and lots of, lots of culture from, um, the, the place it's set in. Yeah. But then it's all, it's all like, you know. Uh, in the shadow of like huge corporate glass towers, right, and like ubiquitous advertisements, yeah, uh, and all that kind of thing, and like you know, um, there's there's like holograms everywhere and uh-huh. all that kind of shit, um, and uh, the the main character uh, who's known as Major um, is a she's a uh, human brain that has been implanted in a like cybernetic body right uh for the purpose of like uh like special police enforcement uh and so you know the the police is like well we can't use robots to do this shit because you know robots can't make real decisions Mm -hmm. uh and so what we need to do is put a human brain in a really strong body uh (laughs) and and we'll use that instead and that's 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 what she is uh, and they, they, they go heavy on the fucking metaphor immediately at the start of the movie. Oh, yes. Uh, where, like, you know, the, the person who's building her basically says, you're a ghost in a shell uh-huh. at the start of the fucking movie. You say those words out and loud. It, it's like, you don't, like, I, you don't need to say it. <laughs> I just saw it on the titles card. Yeah, like. I get it. It's this idea, like, you know, do humans have souls? Yeah. Uh, things like that. And, and would they retain those souls if you put them inside a cybernetic body? Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, the, the movie is, is about, you know, uh, Major is like investigating, um, some cyber crimes. Uh, there's, there's like a, a hacker out there who is like hacking into various, um, uh, various cybernetic stuff and, and doing crimes where's that way. a mysterious way. hood. Yeah. Where's a mysterious hood. Uh, and so she's investigating it. And then about halfway through, it's uh, Jeffrey Epstein. It's Jeffrey Epstein as always. Uh, it's, it's always Jeff. Every time he was trending on Twitter again the other day, and I was like, "Come on, man!" Like, uh, but um, yeah, and so halfway through, she finds out that uh, they've merged two characters here. Um, the the character in the original movie is called the Puppet Master, mm-hmm. uh, and they've kind of merged him with a character from some of the other Ghost in the Shell media. Uh, but she finds out halfway through the movie that uh, the the Puppet Master, who's kind of um, staging these crimes. Uh, is is a failed uh, is a failed like cybernetic um, uh, replacement like she is right so he's he's like the one of the failed versions before her where they placed his bla- brain in a cybernetic body and it didn't work out so if this was Spider Man yeah. Puppet Master would be Kane yes yeah. he's, the, he's the failed 1990s clone of Peter, of Parker. Peter Parker right. Uh, Spider Man deep cut there for you. Just throwing it out there for my people. Yeah, um, not the Scarlet Spider, uh, no. but uh, but Kane. <laughs> uh, well, actually, Kane does go by the Scarlet. Never mind. Also, not Spider Side. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> let's not let's not relitigate the Clone Saga. <laughs> Uh, a lot of weird shit in the nineties, man. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she finds out that this is like, you know, a failed experiment and she's not the only one. Uh, and then she kind of wants to find out, you know, how many time, how many people died in the pursuit of creating a like cybernetic, uh, cop basically. Um, and, and then, you know, similar to what happens in Eon Flux, the villain becomes a like protagonist, 
uh, and there's a kind of a coup, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone turns on everyone else, uh, and then you know there's like a big shootout at the end yeah, with a with a with a with a spider mech, yeah. Um, and then at the end of the movie, the uh, the puppet master uh, he kind of dies and and releases his uh, his. His, his ghost into the network, uh, the computer network, uh, and uh, Major, uh, who has kind of learned about her past, uh, does not opt to go with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and she kind of stays to continue doing her, like, you know, c- cyborg police responsibilities. <laughs> uh, and that's that's basically all that happens in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not... I mean, neither of these movies have real deep plots or, or or anything much to say um but i will say this movie was like more visually interesting than yeah Eon flux and i did have i mean to be fair this came out almost 12 shit, years you know yeah 12 years after eon flux so yeah they did they had the advantage of modernish cgi and everything yeah it looks a lot better than eon flux does yeah but um I, yeah, I had to keep reminding myself, yeah, Eon Flux, 2005, Ghost in the Shell, 2017, so, but I, I did think it was, it was funny that there was a character in Eon Flux that was in this atrocious white costume, it was like a white bodysuit, but it was kind of like loose fitting, and then Major is wearing almost the same costume at some points in the movie, you know, when she jumps off the roof and everything, and she she does the um uh the uh the like reflective invisibility thing. Yeah. And it's almost the same costume, but just like form fitting and futuristic, and I'm like, it's 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 very interesting the the parallels these two movies have, even down to like the costuming. This movie also, uh, you know, and I'm sure there were a bunch of anime nerds who were mad about this. Sure. Uh, this movie's PG-13. Yeah. Um, and if you made a straight adaptation of Ghost in the Shell you 1995, would, yeah. you would never get a PG-13 no. rating. Um, and one of the things they do to avoid that is uh, in the anime, when, when Major is doing her like um, like stealth camo thing, mm-hmm. uh, she's just naked. Right. Uh, and she has a, like a, a normal human-looking body. Yeah. Uh, and in this, they've they've kind of uh, the, the the way they get around that is like Scarlett Johansson's body is like it's it's almost like porcelain plates yeah that have been put together. Uh, it like has a very ceramic uh, look uh-huh. to it, um, and it just looks like she's wearing a bodysuit. Yeah, uh, and I think that it doesn't make any sense because from the neck up, she has normal human skin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it's like, you know, it was very obviously a, like, this movie needs to be PG-13 so we can get asses in seats. Right. Which means we can't have any real nudity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that, like, they get rid of that from yeah. the, ghost, the the anime movie um, and, and just, you know, kind of give ScarJo a, like, uh, like a white bodysuit, essentially. Right. But, um, I mean, to that point, there is that uh, scene after she takes, like, an explosion to the face and they're putting her back together... She's on this, like, operating table, and parts of her body have been blown off, so she's, like, missing skin on her hand, on one of her legs, but just a huge section of her chest is cut out. Yeah. And so it's all this, like, kind of, like, gore and robotic, like, innards and stuff, but it's like, well, we can't show boobs, so let's just, like, cut her chest off. Because we have to retain our PG-13 rating. Yeah. (laughs) Just... And and Scarlett Johansson (laughs) would, would not agree to nudity. No um so you know 
uh, we're not going to do it. Uh, which is, you know, and I, I always think that's funny because uh, she, she, she was nude in a, a movie that came out like a year after this, Under, under, the, under skin. the Skin. Yeah. Uh, and so I, it's, it's one of those things where like, uh, you know, this is, this is like deep fucking, uh, movie negotiation stuff where yeah. like, uh, actors and actresses appearing nude in movies is like a huge negotiation thing yeah. in their contracts. Uh, I, the, the, the one that I always remember is like Halle Berry got like an additional like $500,000 to appear topless in Swordfish. Um, right. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like weird negotiation stuff. There's always like stuff about like, oh, I'll do it, but it has to be a body double uh-huh. uh, or like things like that. And so I always wondered, I was like, it did Scarlett Johansson say like, I won't do nudity in this movie or was the, was the production studio like we need a PG 13 rating? Like, yeah. Which was it? Um, and I, I tend to believe it's probably the production studio. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, they're just like, this has to be a fucking PG 13 movie or we'll never make our money back. Well, and under the, under the skin probably had a fraction of the budget. Oh yeah. And under the skin is like a weird, like horror movie, right? Like, uh, like psychological thriller kind of thing. Um, and yeah. And so it's, you know, I, I'm sure there were a bunch of anime nerds that were really mad about this. Um, but, uh, it's just a weird note, uh, uh, like from the difference between the anime and the movie. And I I don't think it's well explained in the movie. Uh, no, I don't think it's explained Because again, she has normal skin from the neck up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, she just like is wearing like a fucking weird form fitting bodysuit through Mm -hmm. the whole movie. Uh, and it looks not great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think like visually this movie is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as good as Blade Runner 2049, which came out the same year. Uh, yeah, they did come around, around around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, cyberpunk stuff. Right. Um, and, and like, yeah, it's, it's just, it doesn't look great. Um, and it just seems like they're rushing from set piece to set piece. Yeah. Uh, to be like, all right, well, we have to have the scene from the anime where she jumps off the building. Right. Of course. Uh, we have to have the scene from the anime where like she like beats that guy up on the water yep. or like uh we have to have the scene from the anime where she tears her own arm off uh-huh. like all this stuff has to happen don't care what happens in the middle no um we just have to please these like anime fanboys yeah who who showed up to see this because they'll, they'll turn out for it yeah. yeah yeah it's um i mean i think it is like i said it's a lot more visually interesting than aeon flux uh the set pieces i think are much much more well put together and they have the advantage of, of modern, uh, like, CGI. Yeah. But there's nothing real interesting going on here, story-wise. Tonally, right? Like, the, the, the anime movie is is very, like, uh, uh, like quiet. Yeah. Um, and and, has, and this is just loud. Has lots of, like, B-roll. Yeah. Uh, the anime movie has lots of just, like, shots of, like, Tokyo. Right. right? Neo-Tokyo, wherever they are. Uh, of like the streets and like juxtaposes like the all the you know new technology with like images of old japanese style wooden houses Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing and this movie does none of that no uh where it's just like we need we need a we need a nightclub yeah give me a nightclub need a nightclub fight please yeah we need some yakuza let's do it (laughs) uh yeah Give me some hologram babes yeah 12 stories high give me give me some hologram babes yeah exactly uh, I was surprised that Anna de Armas was not in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> given given a little kiss. Yeah. Noted noted hologram babe Anna de Armas. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, this this is like 
I, I gotta wonder, you know, what the story was behind the production of this movie. Uh, like, were their rights gonna expire mm-hmm. or something? Uh, and they were like, we gotta fucking get this movie done. Yeah. Um, or else it's gonna be another ten years. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just not a whole lot going on there. No. Uh, it's not very interesting. I mean, the all the action is way better than the action in Eon Flux. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue that ScarJo has better hair than Charlize. Yes. Uh, Scar, Scar, ScarJo does not have, like, uh, you know, year 2005, uh, My Chemical Romance hair. Hair drapes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gerard Way is not in this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> Someone uh, put Gerard Way in a movie. <laughs> hey, man, he's, yeah, they're doing a comeback tour. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of the bit, bit characters are better in this movie. Yeah. Um, so, so Bato is, Bato is, is, is really good. Watch, yeah. Um, He's got he's got good like physical presence. Really does, yeah. Um, yeah, he's good. Uh, his like subplot with the dogs is 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 fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the like section chief, uh, the, yeah. the like Asian dude with the revolver. Uh, I think he's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's you know, but but other than that, not a hell of a lot going on here. Really not. No, it just and how long was it? I think it was like two hours and twelve minutes. I want to say it's not that long. No. No, I, I think it was under two hours. It feels long. It it did feel long. Yeah, I mean, mercifully, Aeon Flux was only ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just uh, this it, both these films seemed to drag for me. Even though I do love like high concept sci fi stuff, like this just this is more an attempt to be visually interesting than anything else. Yeah, and they're, they're both very style over substance. Yeah, I did. I mean, Eon Flux, I don't think, succeeded there at all, as I've said. But uh, Ghost in the Shell, yeah, came close. Uh, it was interesting to watch. If I was still, you know, a huge stoner, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd probably, like, get baked, put this on the big screen and turn the volume up and have a great time. But yeah, just as a movie, there was, yeah, nothing, nothing really here for me. Yeah, so I, I watched uh, for for my for my other podcast. Uh, we watched the two Pat Labor movies um, mm-hmm. uh, this last week. Um, yeah, we recorded on Thursday. Yeah, uh, so we watched them. You know, start of last week, uh, and um, those were both made by Mamoru Ishii, who is the director of Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and like, it's very obvious that it's the same director. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was interesting watching this and I, cause I didn't go back and watch Ghost in the Shell before I watched this. You're talking about the anime Ghost the anime, in the Shell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had watched Pat Labor one and two and it's the same kind of thing. Like there's lots of like, uh, there's lots of like elaborate control panels mm-hmm. and like flashing, flashing computer screens yeah. and, uh, and they both have fucking spider mechs, uh-huh. uh, and they have the same kind of like, uh, you know, corporate high rise next to like old Japanese buildings. Sure. Uh, and so it's, you know, Mamoru Ishii definitely had like a visual style, uh, that he did, uh, in his movies through Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and then you watch this and it's like, they've kind of excised a lot of that visual style right. uh, in favor of just making like, what do cyberpunk movies look like? <laughs> yeah. Hologram yeah. babes. Got it. Hologram babes. Um, but yeah, uh, it's in a mech or two here. Or there. Yeah. And then there's a mech at the end. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This movie could have been shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, this movie could have been a hundred minutes. This movie could have been a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but I think they just kind of churned it out as quick as they could. Got yeah. their, got their bag and then, uh, and then moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Production by committee, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I imagine that, like, given how long this took to get made, like, the producer's list yeah. is probably a mile long. Yeah. Uh, for all the people who were contractually obligated to uh, uh-huh. to get some piece of this. Oh, my name on this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's bad uh, because this this there there hasn't been uh a real good i think this is probably as close as we've gotten to a real solid like anime adaptation sure yeah yeah um, like a high budget western anime adaptation yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's you know certainly like dragon ball evolution uh from from the late 2000s right is is the previous case and it's yeah. fucking terrible yeah uh, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, Taika Waititi's Akira. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like the, the last, the last best hope for, for, uh, anime live action movies in the West. It really is. Yeah. Um, if they can pull that off, then yeah, maybe we'll see, uh, a resurgence of people trying to get these movies made. Yeah. Someone will make like a Gundam movie or something yeah. at some point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this, this wasn't it. Nope. Um, and, uh, it didn't, uh, it didn't work out for them. I don't think. No, I don't think so. It did work out for anyone. Involved. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think Scarlett Johansson's performance is bad. No. Um, she doesn't have a whole lot of interesting yeah, stuff to do. Like as a, you know, she's playing like a robot. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but it's, you know, I don't think she's putting that much effort in. No, she's got a lot of physicality, but I mean, you know, most of this is like stunt work and CGI. So yeah there's there's some there's some scenes where it's like oh that's a that's a stunt person yeah and that is not scarlett johansson no absolutely that is not, not five foot four yeah. scarlett johansson no, that is a lady in a wig yeah that is that is a like five foot ten lady in a wig yeah <laughs> like yeah why does scarlett johansson keep getting taller yeah this is weird it's well she's got those cybernetic uh lifts yeah she's got cybernetic heels yeah i i do appreciate that like uh there there's not uh there's not like cybernetic stilettos in this movie oh christ yeah because like charlie's Theron is clearly Charlie, wearing yeah. like stilettos in, yeah and uh, well she fucking... pulls like a like a usb drive out of one of them at, at one point oh yeah 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 i'm just like oh okay yeah you were a lift this is not as cool as you think it is well at least it's not a knife yeah i got a knife in my cane <laughs> You shouldn't have a cane. Nope. You're 25. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. I don't know. Any any other thoughts on uh, Ghost in the Shell? Not really. You know, there's just not a whole lot to say about this. Orion Flux. Just two two big whiffs. Yeah. Uh, that are that that kind of mirrored one another. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you can tell a, a way that I always know like a movie is 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 on is on uh, is going to be on the edge. Yeah. Uh, is when there's when there's like a text dump at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. Both of these movies. Both have these that. movies have that yep. where like there's a there's a text dump opening. Yeah. Where it's just like oh this is this is it. Uh-huh. Um, and you know one of the one of the big <laughs> one of the big rules of like screenwriting is show don't tell. Yeah. Uh, and the both these movies have to tell. Right. Uh, because at no point were they like competent enough to show any yeah. of this. Yeah. We're stuff. gonna put any of this. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah. This How is... are we going to convey this? Yeah. No. So text dump at the beginning. Yep. Um, and, it is the far future. Yeah, and that's never a good sign. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the only the only movies that really get away with that are like Star Wars. Star Wars gets away with it. Yeah. yeah. Because that's like a that's like a 1940s serial throwback. Right. But these movies are just like, well, we got to explain some of this shit. And yep. We didn't shoot anything to explain it. And so Harrison Ford's not here to narrate over yeah. it. So. Um. But yeah. Not great. Not great movies this week. No. Yeah. Kind of disappointing. 
Um, do, do you want to tease what we might be doing next week? Yeah, I don't know. What do you got on the list there? Uh, I I believe we might be doing 90s girl power movies. 90s girl power movies. Uh, so we, we may do uh, Spice World um, Josie, featuring featuring Alan Cumming. And, uh, and Josie Elvis and the Costello? Pussycats featuring Alan Cumming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I have been assured uh, by, by someone uh, that um, Josie and the Pussycats is a great movie. It is a really good movie. Uh, and I have not seen it since, you know, I was in high school. Right. So I don't know. Uh, but I've been assured that it is a great movie and, and does not, does not deserve derision. No, absolutely not. Um, so we, or so we, I've heard. Yeah. We, we may, we may watch those two, uh, which I think would be interesting, uh, to put up next to each other. I think so. Yeah. Um, Josie and the Pussycats is not from the nineties. I think it's from like 2001, 2002. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's from the pop punk era. Yeah. Uh, same, same, same as Euro Trip. Um, smoking hot Rachel Lee Cook in there. Smoking hot Rachel Lee Cook. Uh, Tara, Tara Reed. Reed is in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as the blonde pussy cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, though, and and I I don't think Spice World is a terrible movie. Spice World fucking rules. Uh, it's just really silly. <laughs> uh, and it's you know. I'm sure people are like, Spice World is hot garbage, but like, have you ever seen Help with the Beatles? Oh boy. Like, it's not a good movie. No, I put Spice World um, above Help. Yeah. It's not a good, but like, they used to make movies like this, where yeah. they were like, you know, uh, what are the Who doing? Put the Who in a movie. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, movie's not great either. So, so we, 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 we may watch those two next. Uh, we may watch something else. Uh, but we've got some, we've got some good stuff. Uh, got some good, good stuff, stuff in the pipe. Yeah uh won't be won't be a raft of trash like this week no no thank god uh but uh yeah let's uh let's close it out here all right um yeah so this has been uh this has been the columbia river film school podcast uh we're just uh two two bros up here in the northwest uh doing double features uh i'm bill mcdonald and i'm here with uh, pat mcdonald uh and uh yeah we'll be uh we'll be back at you next time for uh for for our next double feature uh, in the meantime, um, all of our all of our stuff is is now out there properly available uh, on various RSS feeds. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, etc. Uh, you can just go to our uh, Pinecast page, which is crfs.pinecast.co, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter uh, at uh, crfilmschool. We do have a Twitter, yeah. Cool. Okay. I, I put a Twitter up. Right on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you can find us at all your usual podcast providers, uh, and we will be uh, back at you next time with another uh, another great double feature. All right, take care, folks. Bye. Science fiction.
to the healing and I really got high